Every thought feels like a confession She said, she said, she said If I get one life, gonna do what I want If I get one life, I'm gonna do what I want She was a mess, she was a mess at 17 Running down a dream Stuck in this endless empty brand new episode of Kellen's Petty Talk Show. This week we got Brandon Benson, basis of We Are the Union, got to discuss all his upcoming tour dates. He's going from the south to the east and he's coming back to LA to do a show on September 1st at the Knitting Factory in North Hollywood. He's going to be doing a show at Punk in the Park with The Descendants, Pennywise, Wilhelm Scream, Suicide Machines. It's just going to be stacked. So get your tickets for an upcoming show. Go check out We Are the Union. And hope you enjoy the episode. This is a fun one. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Not sure if you were aware, the other podcasts don't compare. Tell your mom if she's too busy to literally stop what she's doing. I need all layers on me as I interview legends for thee. So you live in uh, LA now, downtown specifically. How have you been enjoying that? Um, it's been cool. It's been a, a very interesting change of pace coming from Detroit. There's just a lot more happening. There's a lot of um, just art, music, mm-hmm. food, culture. Right. Um, so it's it's fun being able to um, just like i'll go out and never have to feel like i have to go to the same restaurant or the same 
bar, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, there's always something new to explore. And that's a very walkable place. You guys walk a lot of places. Yeah, we try to, and we've been taking, um, the Metro rail quite a bit when we can. That's cool. Um, it can be kind of grimy and, yeah. and weird at times, but it, it feels good not having to sit in traffic and worry about parking and stuff like that. Do you guys ever go down to the grand central market? All the time. Yeah. I spend way too much money there. We live super close. Yeah. Whenever I need a break in the daytime, I walk down there and I'll say, I'm just going to go and smell stuff. And then I right. end up like having three lunches. What's the name of that donut place that's right ne- next to Egg Slut? Is it Donut Man? Oh, that's the one. Yeah, I think so. That's the oh. one vendor I haven't tried yet. But oh, those huge, line. those huge donuts with the strawberries, strawberries they put in there are yeah, crazy. Amazing. It's so good. Yeah. I love that place. Um, I think I've tried just about everything there. Um, we used to go, my, I used to go with my band, we were the union quite a bit when we'd be in town working on stuff. Um, mm-hmm. We go to Ramen Hood, the vegan ramen spot. Okay. It's a big hit. Um, they're still around. They seem to be doing really well. But yeah, highly recommend it. It's definitely the best veggie broth I've ever had. Veggie broth. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. Ramen Hood? Ramen like, like, Hood. Is like Robin song. Hood? Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. But but getting around without a car must have its fair share of obstacles. But you guys still have one that you you like sometimes use, right? Like you came yeah. here in your car today. Yeah, uh, I I recently got married and um, yeah, and my wife and I moved in together for the first time last February, and that involved me moving out to California where she already was. Right. Um, and we had decided that we'd try and get away with just having one car. So I sold mine and smart. It's been working out really well. Yeah. Um, there's hardly ever any conflicts. Um, and when there are, there's, like I said, public transit's usually right. an option. You know, what's crazy is like just the other day, my dad calls me and he tells me that the, the car insurance went up like $1,000 in California. I don't know if you guys are oh, dealing with the same thing, but we haven't noticed that yet, but wow. Yeah. That's... It sounds like it's across the board going up, <laughs> just like rent. Gosh. Well, one thing we did figure out um, the hard way is registering an electric vehicle in Ooh. the state of California is expensive as hell. Really? We had no idea. Um, we ended up getting a bill for like $1,300, which included some late fees and stuff. That's not the, it's not just the registration itself, but right. I guess we, we had missed the, the deadline to register it and uh, we had all these fees tacked on it, but we, we ended up calling them and they're just like, yeah, it's, it's just expensive to own an electric in California, which seems, that makes no sense. Yeah. Like the opposite <laughs> of the incentive, but yeah, they look for any reason to, to hike prices and everything. I guess. So now where, where did you grow up? Was that Ann Arbor, Michigan? So I grew up in a small town called Northville, which is okay. right between Ann Arbor and Detroit. Right. So it being a small suburban town, uh, my friends and I would spend a lot of time in Detroit or Ann Arbor where there was more stuff happening. Mm-hmm. We had a higher likelihood of convincing a shop owner to sell us 40 ounce bottles of alcohol. <laughs> did you uh, did you play any sports growing up? I did. Um, I played hockey. That was my favorite sport still is i liked playing soccer um but i never really took either of those things too far it's just something i like to do with my friends um right so do you like basketball i loved playing basketball i tried out for the seventh grade team and i didn't make it because i like i didn't know anything about it i just <laughs> showed up and was like i i like to throw hoops in my backyard Can right do this? who does they're like no there are kids that actually do this. You can't play. <laughs> there are kids that dreamed of this yeah. since they were born. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so where did you find your love for music? When did that come into play? Um, I guess it started when like I would, I would steal or borrow my parents' cassettes. Mm-hmm. Um, they were really into like nineties college rock, um, like stone temple pilots and Pearl jam and, Oh yeah. That kind of stuff. Fried hot chili peppers. So third eye blind probably. Yeah. Actually yeah. all that. And like, I would, I would listen to that and, um, I would, I would get blank cassettes and, you know, record music from the radio and make little mixtapes. And, right. um, eventually getting into middle school, I was given an opportunity to play in the school band. And cool. so someone showed up to the fifth grade classroom at the end of the year with like a bunch of mouthpieces and stuff and it was like all right kids 
if you want to play in the band, try your uh, try some of these things on your your lips and. I wanted to do trumpet, but my my overbite was too drastic. So they're like, okay, yeah. here's a here's a bigger mouthpiece. This is a trombone. It's like, all right, I could do this. And so that was my first formal music training. My my mom would always try to get me to play piano when I was younger, and I just wasn't having it. I wish that right. she would have been more successful there. But yeah, I got into uh, music that way. Um, I played in the symphonic band all throughout middle school and most of high school, and um at some point later in middle school i i kind of started discovering punk and mm -hmm. um, started to understand you know it's more accessible than um it seemed initially it, it, i thought that like being a musician was something that you're kind of like born with this innate talent and it's you know only for a select number of people but punk showed me that it it's not that way and right. it's it's more of a muscle and it's something if you put attention to it grows and um so you know i had a lot of fun uh just messing around with um you know whatever instruments i could find like i mm -hmm. had like a really cheap square guitar real cheap drum set and my mom was always really supportive of me making noise even though we lived in an apartment complex and right like, that was um there's always really great, you know, just having encouragement. Um, but you know, that led to playing with other friends in school and, um, that changed my life you yeah. know, from there. So, well, when you figured out you wanted to play music, what made you choose bass over all the other instruments? Well, I don't know. I, I kind of started just doing a little bit of everything and, um, our high school scene was very much centered around, you know, DIY spaces like American Legion halls and yep. cafes and stuff like that. And I actually started playing guitar with the first bands I was playing with. And um, the way I ended up on bass was one of my high school bands was playing in Ann Arbor at um, a local teen center called the Neutral Zone. And um, I was wearing a Less Than Jake shirt when I was playing. Hell yeah. And uh, <laughs> Reed... Wolcott um, and Matt Bellinger, um, who both at different stages, you know, have been involved in We Are the Union. Obviously, Reed still to this day. Um, yeah, we're playing with their high school band called the Scafia. Uh, great name. Um, <laughs> and they had seen me wearing my Listen Jake shirt. They're like, "Hey, we want to start like a ska punk band, like a new thing, and we need a bass player." Uh, would you want to do it? And I was like, I don't know what that is or how to do right. it, but yes. Yeah. Like that's all I wanted was to play in a yeah. punk band at that time. And that was my first opportunity. And so I sold all my guitar stuff and bought bass stuff. And, uh, yeah, so that's how I ended up on bass with that band. That's so cool. And did you say your parents played instruments? Was your mom a piano player? She was, she was, um, classically trained to read sheet music and so every once in a while she'd you know open up a you know a, the score from lion king or something and she would play through it and mm -hmm. it just seemed so rigid to me and like the idea of like having to sit and learn a language and right i didn't have patience for that when i was a kid i wanted to totally. be outside yeah actually the same i uh my dad tried to get me to do piano lessons for a bit but i was also playing baseball and I remember yeah. it just was kind of getting in the way. And I only did maybe three lessons before I was like, yeah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> when you're like nine years old, the last thing you want to do is sit inside with some old lady playing piano. Like, <laughs> right. it's just too much. Right. Yeah. It it just didn't seem fun to me. I, I just wanted right. to be out and uh, playing with my friends. But looking back, I wish she would have gotten through to me one way or another. Right. That's one thing I'm uh, I'm always trying to work on is like my keyboard skills. It's getting better, right. but just wish I would have done it when I was younger. See, I can't read music for my life, mm -hmm. but like I could definitely play keys just by ear, which yeah. is kind of nice, but I'm sure you could like look up YouTube tutorials and yeah. I could like teach you some some basic stuff, I guess. For sure. And that's that's how I I operate too mostly um is just by ear. Like if I sit in front of a piano, if there's something I want to play, I'll figure it out and right. if there's a song I want to write, great. Like but yeah, if you put a sheet music in front of me, it's going to take me a long time to get through yeah. it. And it kind of like turns you off a little bit from yeah. even wanting to do it. Yeah. It's and hard. I think there's, yeah, there's so many different ways to learn music. And yeah. 
but like coming to that realization young when i was younger like oh music doesn't have to be sitting in front of a piano with an old lady it can right. be you can learn just by using your ear you can use exactly it by just experimenting like it's all was, expression yeah that was very eye-opening so we are the union formed in ann arbor michigan in 2005 on wikipedia it says that you guys were not content with the state of ska music at the time and that you would you, you would want to bring back the glory days so what what bands would you say were most influenced at the uh the band's inception well back then ska was not really it wasn't really happening much yeah. um anymore uh we still, I mean, we loved it. We loved bands like Less Than Jake and Real Big Fish at that time. But like, yeah. they were like, at that point, almost sort of becoming legacy bands. And there right. were no, there, there weren't very many younger bands um, trying to really do much with the genre. Mm -hmm. um, and so we took big influence from Less Than Jake and um, Lifetime. Right. And, and Kid Dynamite and like some faster melodic punk and hardcore. Yeah. And uh, even like Roger from Less Than Jake's um, personal project, Rehasher, was new at that time. And we really liked that. And so we wanted to, uh, we wanted to kind of push it into, um, we wanted to take Sky and sort of make it more applicable to uh, skate punk right. at the time. What was the Michigan punk scene like back in those early days, and how does that compare to today? Uh, back then, um, there was a really rich scene in Metro Detroit. Um, all sorts of bands, really. Um, you know, the Suicide Machines were were still really big then, and had a lot of influence on what some of the younger kids are doing in high school. Right. So you'd see some um ska punk bands similar you know to to that sort of style but there's also i mean there's like there's like a lot of post hardcore and like kind of newer wave emo stuff and um pop punk and um and it was it was a fun time because a lot of that stuff would just happen all together under the same roof You're right um it, it did start sort of splintering off into very specific like um i don't know like genre shows where like you'd go and you'd only really see one type of band and right um which i don't love i love the mix bills i think yeah. they're the best yeah totally so when when we were getting involved it was sort of um just a continuation of what we were doing in high school like booking shows at local diy spaces yeah and um occasionally getting opportunities to uh, open for you know regional acts coming through right was it easy to get gigs in the beginning or did it take a bit to get a booking agent and and did you do a lot of the early bookings yourself diy style yeah um we did everything ourselves for the first several years um and myspace had a big part of that and like pure volume and right um i mean yeah we would do entire tours that we booked on myspace where We'd like print our directions off of, you know, Yahoo Maps and just kind of hope for the best. And yeah, like, um, we got pretty far doing that ourselves. And, you know, even locally, like we made connections with some folks that booked some of the, you know, what was to us bigger venues downtown. And, you know, we, we had a, a, a fair share of opportunities to open some pretty cool shows. And um, eventually that led, led to us working with our first booking agent, um, Ramona from Black Iris Booking. She would book us locally. Um, and then she also ran like a booking company. And so she would, uh, she picked us up and helped us with some of our um, like out of state shows from there. Hell yeah. And um, we've always had a very DIY approach to the band um you know we eventually kind of stopped working with the company and um took booking into our own hands again and for the last like six or seven years um our drummer brent who's now our former drummer um booked us exclusively and he, he still is booking us so oh sweet so you're still working together yeah nice 
what are some of the best recording experiences you've had over the, the course of your career? Like which records do you look back most fondly on creating? Well, they were all, they were all learning experiences for sure. And I have fond memories of doing all of them. Right. I, I don't love the end product of all of them. And I know there's yeah. a lot that we go back and do differently, mm -hmm. but the processes were, were wonderful. And, um, yeah, I'll always hold that, um, hold those memories, um, dear, but I think the, the most complete, uh, most complete, um, like memory and, experience altogether was um recording our last album ordinary life right um, we were you know amidst the beginning of the the pandemic and right we were all just very bored and before we had decided to do this album we weren't really even sure if we were going to keep doing anything mm -hmm. um just you know because the state of the world seemed so scary and also like we didn't have a ton of motivation but right um, yeah, we decided to try one more and we just took a lot of care in crafting the experience to be something that would be, um, good for all of us and, and good for the project. And it, no part of it was hastily thrown together. It's like, you know, w what would it take for us to want to do this again? You know? And mm -hmm. so I think we just set ourselves up for, um, a really productive and successful session. Um, we decided to, as opposed to doing it in a studio, um, we decided to take everything, all of the gear out to the desert and we rented an Airbnb um, in Joshua Tree and we stayed there for two weeks, um, all of us as a band in this house. Yeah. And um, we, we we had basically like the, the loose skeletons of the songs. Um, from Reed and it was a very collaborative process. Um, just fleshing the rest of it out. Yeah. We were working with, a our friend and producer, John Graber, who is just, you know, he's wonderful to work with. He's got great ideas and knows all of our individual strengths and, and how to get the best out of us. So we just, we had a really good time on like a personal and, um, like friend level, just having us all in one room, after so long, um, was, was great. You know, we got to explore at the national park and go on hikes and stuff. And, um, I'll just, I think that's probably the best recording experience I've ever had. Yeah. It sounds like a great bonding experience yeah. too. Just yeah. hanging out with your friends, making it happen. Yeah. What kind of like hand do you have in the songwriting process typically? Like, is it pretty open for everybody to just collaborate? Yeah. So the way that we've kind of settled, I mean, it's changed throughout the years. Um, but the way that we operate now is basically Reed comes up with the basic skeleton of the song and that's just the, the chord progressions, the structure and most of the, the vocal melodies. Um, and we come together and sort of you know work out some kinks in the arrangement and help write all of the individual parts um, it used to be where we would all just write our own individual parts i'd write the bass parts right you'd write the guitar and then we just get in a room and record it all just over each other and there wouldn't be a whole lot of forethought as to how the parts work together um but more recently we've gotten to where we've opened it up to um to be more fluid where like, you know, if I've got an idea for a horn line or if Jer has an idea for a bass line or, you know, anything in between, um, we're, we're striving to be more, um, I guess, fluid from, uh, each other's from a creative standpoint, like, uh, just, um, in a way that, feels like any idea is worth considering and like mm -hmm. that's i think it, it really helped us with the last album um sort of trying to detach our emotional um, attachments to the ideas we have um 
because in the past it'd be like you know people get butt hurt if like somebody didn't like this or that idea but right we came to realize like hey we're all in this to make something cool and we're all passionate about it and ultimately the end result is what we're after yeah so let's foster an environment where we can all feel creatively expressive and heard but also um be able to give honest feedback about those things and not take them personally and mm -hmm. um because like i said at the end of the day it's all about the end product and yeah you want the best thing yeah. to come out that's smart um in 2013 you guys announced an indefinite hiatus that only lasted until 2015 when you came back full swing what caused the break and what made you come back to it honestly um I think we were just kind of burning out. We were touring a lot, DIY touring in, you know, a, not that big of a van um, with as many members as we had. It's rough. All the equipment we had. Yeah. And just the money wasn't there. Um, we were having tr like personnel issues, finding chemistry that worked for us. Um, and, you know, when you have those sorts of issues and you're forced to, um, you know, be on the road for six to eight weeks at a time with each other, it can really bring issues to a head. And so uh, I don't think we were all really communicating all that well at the time. And we, we were just, yeah, ultimately getting burnt out. So we decided, you know, it's just take some time off and we didn't really have a plan. It was just an open-ended like, Hey, we got to stop this. Yeah. Just come back when you feel like it. Yeah. And I'm glad that we did eventually feel like it. Cause yeah, I wasn't sure. I didn't know what we'd do. And we definitely had like our last show and, and it felt like a last show. It didn't feel yeah. like, you know, a something we were doing to be dramatic <laughs> it's like it felt like this yeah. could be it you know didn't feel like an open book yeah right so what was it like having time away from the band did you enjoy it or was it difficult for you personally to readjust with normal life for a little bit it was definitely rough um i got into um i, I started playing with some other friends that i met through we are the union and that was definitely a good personal time for me, um, sort of having a chance to um, work in the same capacity, but with new people and sort of flex some of the um, creative muscles that I hadn't really in a while with We Are The Union. Um, and I felt like that was, uh, it was just a good change of pace. Um, it didn't really lead anywhere, but I wasn't really looking for it to. I was more just like looking for a continuation of just like an opportunity to have a social scene around music. Mm -hmm. And, and that definitely happened. And, uh, it's, I guess looking back, like it seems so long ago and I, I definitely was like a, a child. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, was that different music you were playing at that time or was it similar to the genre kind of it was like i don't know it was maybe more kind of like midwest emo sort of stuff oh cool and uh i was playing guitar and having like more of a hand in writing it and it was it, I, I it was just like a new set of problems though like in terms of um you know, interband relationships and stuff like that. I was living with most of the people I was jamming with. And right, right. so there's like, there's always like, dude, when are you going to do the dishes in the background of like whatever's yeah. happening? It's just, it was kind of toxic. But, just chaotic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I literally deal with that all the time. It's so funny. <laughs> um, so how'd you enjoy the process of recording an audio tree uh, session? Do you like how it oh, came out? Uh, I, I had a lot of fun doing that. It was unlike anything we'd ever done. We never recorded live in a studio and right. I don't know if we were quite prepared for it. Um, honestly, like after that sort of thing, it's really difficult to get me to want to listen. Yeah. Back. I hate hearing replays of things that I do and like, right. 
I, th I think if we were to do it now, we'd we'd sound a lot better. But I, I don't know. I haven't listened back at all. Yeah. So I, I know it exists and it's online forever. And like that was really scary going into it. Um, it is good. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's well, great. I'm glad to hear that. It's, I, yeah, I did my best to block out the idea that this is going to exist forever yeah. <laughs> like while I was going into it. But everyone there was like just really friendly and really cool people. And they seemed genuinely interested in having us. And really fun experience do people know when they're getting like shot when when they come in and it's like all in slow-mo of them unloading i always wondered that or is that just some bullshit they do no they did like <laughs> i guess we didn't think of it we didn't realize it was about to happen but as yeah. soon as we parked in the alley and started unloading it's like oh guys it's like reality tv or something i don't That's know i didn't know how to act i was like i'm just, I'm just gonna put my stuff in the yeah elevator. okay i wasn't sure if they tell people that's so funny no, they i don't think they told us it was more just like you just come to expect it yeah. <laughs> are those gen but is it genuinely pretty fun to do that or do you, you like get like a lot of nerves beforehand uh i felt some nerves just because it was so unlike a live show it was you know there's cameras you're in just right. a single room you're wearing headphones you don't really have a ton of time to necessarily dial in your tone or yeah. like the way you're used to doing things live but the engineering team is really great, and mm -hmm. um, it uh, the nerves subsided, you know it. Yeah, once you start. Once we started moving, yeah. I feel like I'd be so nervous. <laughs> yeah, I, you definitely are going into it, and then you kind of just get in the flow of it, and you don't even realize what's happening. You just right. kind of black out. <laughs> but especially if you're like singing, I can't even imagine. Oh, dude, I know. Because yeah. it's only like a one take, right? Like typically. Yeah, it's not like you can be like, hey, uh, I really missed that harmony. Can we go back? <laughs> no. <laughs> Which it's the same live too, obviously, but live there's so much more forgiveness. Like there's people bouncing around and they're drunk and it's dark. And right. It's like loud as hell. And so you can hardly even tell what's happening. Yeah, live usually sounds good too. Like some, sometimes people don't like really sound that tight live, but it still sounds sweet because it's just yeah. noise. You know, you'll enjoy the noise. Yeah. There's less scrutiny too because, like, you know, typically the band is bouncing around and they're trying to put on a good show too, and it's, you know, it's, it's half just about like the vibe and the experience and right um, what's happening in the room. Uh, it, that stuff can take a mediocre performance uh, musically mm -hmm. to a, a step higher sometimes out of all the music videos you guys made which one was the most fun to make and why Ooh. well we just got into making videos um the last couple albums and i wasn't living in california during the self-care stuff um we didn't do we have videos for that i don't know i don't think we do no i don't know uh but i i wasn't in california for the the singles that we did between self-care and ordinary life so a lot mm. of that was just reed and brent uh working with our friend chris grau um but for the ordinary life stuff um they're all really fun to make but i would say boys will be girls was the most wild time just because yeah. you know we're all in these white outfits throwing paint at each other and um just getting really messy and silly and dancing around and that that was just a lot of fun but um all of them were a great time so no that's funny and you and the vocalists are the only two remaining original members how wild is it to think that you've managed to keep this band going for 18 years together it can hurt to think about sometimes and Honestly, it's like, it's not really something we love to uh, admit. You know, we we did start in 2005 um, and Reed and I are technically the only original members left. Right. But the band has taken so many shapes over the years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our guitarist, Ricky, he joined shortly after the band was formed, and we basically consider him original at this point. Right. Um, and the way that we sort of think about our career as a band at this stage is, 
we, we kind of feel like we just started in like 2018 with self-care. Right. Um, that's when we really nailed down our lineup with Jer uh, on trombone. And then we had Brent and uh, we, we like operating under the assumption that honestly, most of our fans have at this point that we're a newer band. Most of the right. people that come to see us now have no idea anything that we've done before 2018, which That's is crazy. such a relief because for the longest time, we had to play all of our um, our oldest stuff because that's yeah. what people liked best at that time. And now if we were to play any of that, nobody's going to have any idea what any of it is. Really? I mean, unless we're in Detroit. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So it is wild to think about, you know, the age of the band itself being old enough to, you know, buy cigarettes, but <laughs> it doesn't it, it really feels like we were just getting started and mm -hmm. that's kind of how we carry it too. No, for sure. Promote much of our older stuff. We don't play very much of it anymore. And nobody no. really wants to hear it, so we're happy. Wow. <laughs> I do like the rawness of the early stuff. I'm I, not yeah, gonna lie. I do too. It's it'll always hold a special place in my heart. And I, yeah. I hope we never totally put it away. I'm I'm sure there'll right. always be times where we we find a reason to play it, but mm -hmm. I think um that door will open eventually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. So you've been on labels and have self-released some stuff. What do you think has the better outcome for you guys overall? Um, that's an interesting question. We, we have worked with labels, yes, but... Um, up until working with bad time records and even so continuing with them, I feel like most of the way that our stuff is perceived and the way that we present it and everything happening is kind of just a reflection of what we're doing. Um, we, we, like I said, we, we have a very DIY approach. We, we do a lot of our own like marketing ideas and right. branding and all of that. And like, I feel like it's kind of just applicable to, to, to no matter who is, you know, putting the record out for us. But, um, yeah, like, I mean the, so the self-care record, we, we self-funded, we crowdfunded rather. Um, and it was, that was a really cool experience getting to, um, do it our own way and and have our fans back it mm -hmm. i think that model is becoming increasingly attractive um as we move into the future mm -hmm. um but yeah working with bad time is wonderful too like uh, mike is um he just gets it and he's he's really um he's in it for all the right reasons and um, I really like his vision and just what he's doing for um, modern day ska music. So mm -hmm. we love Mike and um, we're really, you know, happy to have had the opportunity to do ordinary life with bad time. No, for sure. Yeah. That's definitely your tightest release overall. I would say it sounds the most like a studio record, yeah. which is very cool. Thank you. Yeah. It's, we definitely spent a lot of time on it and uh, absolutely a lot of thought went into it and um you know, John, like I said, John Graber was a, had a big hand in it as a producer and he did self-care with us as well. Yeah. But I feel like his skills just, you know, grew exponentially in the span between and, mm -hmm. um, all of us really, you know, Reed's, yeah. um, Ricky's chairs, all of us. So yeah. Um, I think we made a model for ourselves on like how we want to make new music going forward. Mm -hmm. Definitely some bangers on there. Thank you. Pasadena. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, so for kids interested in starting bands nowadays, what would be the advice you'd give them? My advice would be to just play whenever you can, um, no matter where it is, no matter what they're paying you. Um, just Just play whatever show you can. And if nobody's offering you anything, Go out and do it yourself. Uh, do it in your garage if you have to. Um, do it at the rec center, the cafe, whatever. Um, you know, it's 
it can be frustrating when you feel like you 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 have so much drive and passion to um to perform and to write but to feel like maybe you're not getting opportunities to showcase it but mm. i think what some some folks are just starting out don't understand is like you kind of have to create that world right before other people start noticing that you're doing that yeah and before other people start inviting you into their world um and that's that's what we are the union did was like just any opportunity we had to play we took it and we um and, and we created a lot of those uh, opportunities for ourselves not for sure what are some um let's see here any notable van accidents for or any like thievery that you guys had to deal with anybody stealing any of your merch um instruments yeah there's some, <laughs> some pretty minor stuff relative to some of our our other friends that are less fortunate where you know right we get entire bands and vans vans and trailers stolen um there was a time where we crossed the Canadian border on the Washington, uh, British Columbia side. And like, I think I was sleeping in the van, uh, and some others were, you know, at somebody's house or in a hotel or something. And somebody had broken in, I guess maybe it was left unlocked. Uh, mm-hmm. and we had bought these uh we bought two bottles of whiskey duty free at the the border crossing and guy comes in and grabs those and our gps and jim our drummer at the time and 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 i just woke up like (laughs) after it happened after he shut the door yeah and we're so confused um but you know that could have ended a lot worse um we did get in a pretty serious accident on that trip we were on tour with strung out and rufio and uh, a band called mute and we were doing an overnight drive through saskatchewan uh just in the middle of this big wide open plain where you wouldn't expect this sort of thing to happen but we uh ended up hitting a moose oh and it felt like hitting a brick wall i mean the thing was shoulder to shoulder with the top of our dodge ram right and um we we were all okay uh in in our van the van was totally destroyed um there were some others on the road that were less fortunate uh as a result of the accident which was a pretty wild um event it yeah (laughs) it it got kind of heavy but yeah wow we we carried on and with the help of some some really awesome um local officers Mm -hmm. we got to uh a safe place and got to our next show in winnipeg and we didn't miss a single show on the rest of the tour and uh, the, the other bands were really supportive um you know they allowed us to ride with them in their vans and hauled our gear until we were able to get a new trailer. And right. Um, that was the worst of the accident, uh, history we have. I think the last thing I can think of is there's one night in Detroit in front of St. Andrews where we had just loaded all of our gear into the venue mm-hmm. playing at the shelter. And, um, somebody seemed to have pried open the trailer door um to find that it was empty and so right you know thankfully none of our gear was in there yeah Uh, but yeah i'd say we had all in all pretty decent luck over the years that's good yeah and now we insure everything (laughs) yeah i was gonna say now people air tag stuff too which is helpful everything i travel with i i air tag is that expensive to do that um insurance is actually really reasonable there's a company called music pro Uh that allows you to insure any musical equipment whether it's an instrument or electronic equipment even laptops or like your audio interface here microphones wow only thing you can't insure is your phone um and i i think i've insured like 35 grand worth of stuff and i pay 
somewhere just over like $200 a year. Okay. And um, I've never had to cash in on any of it, but it seems like they have a pretty good reputation of being helpful when that does happen. Yeah, that's a good deal. So, Especially when you're in a band. Yeah. Um, what's some of the best advice you've ever received that you've applied to your life? Whether that be everyday life or as a musician. This might be tough. I feel like yeah. I'm always flooded with great advice and I see inspiration all the time everywhere. And right. I find things I want to internalize. Yeah. But I can never articulate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think. Um, Maybe taking the advice to move to LA. That was a big thing. Yeah, I, I definitely have have wanted to come out here for quite a while, just to be closer to where the band is is kind of based now. And um, yeah, that's that's definitely big. I, I guess maybe just uh, being genuine and kind towards people, and um, mm -hmm. you know that. I think has gotten me pretty far. So I, I like, I like to, to try and uh, be nice to folks. And I think that's my, my biggest guide guiding uh, force is just like be, be, be cool. Yeah. Be humble. <laughs> yeah. So touring with real big fish must've been pretty insane. How'd you like touring with them? Oh, that was, yeah, that was a really cool opportunity. Um, Legends. For someone growing up with, you know, Scott in the nineties and early two thousands. Um, they were, they're really great to us. And, um, we, I think it was our first tour on self care, which, um, went over pretty well and we got a pretty good response. It's always interesting when you're opening for a band like that to see how folks respond to you. Yeah. And a lot of times it's, can be hard to get people's attention when they're there for the headliner and right that's part of the gig um but people for the most part were uh were into it and there were, there were folks that knew who we were obviously and and were there for us and yeah it was cool to see but we definitely made a few newer fans you know through through that tour right such a big draw yeah totally and um yeah we were we were fortunate to have been able to play some cities that uh we hadn't yet um and uh and, and meet some new people that way so yeah we, we we had a great time and love to do it again someday yeah that'd be cool yeah. you guys are playing punk in the park in november out here in orange county which is right outside of la how stoked are you for that yeah it's gonna be a great time um great lineup <laughs> yeah so many just like seminal bands to all of us uh, in our in our careers like Wilhelm Scream. Yeah, we love Wilhelm. Descendants. Um, Descendants, the Lawrence Arms. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna be a great time and uh outdoor shows are always um a vibe, especially in Southern California. Right. Isn't Suicide Machines on that too? Oh yeah. I think they are. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. stacked. Yeah, I know it's great. So are you which day are you guys on out of the two? Honestly, I don't remember off the top of my head. Okay. I wonder, is there a way to, to find out? Like if you go on the website, does it show who's on each day? Yeah. So um, the easiest way uh, I can tell you is to go to the We Are The Union website, which okay. is best, you know, I I've do everything on Instagram these days. Right. Just go to our Instagram, click the link in our bio, and it has everything there. Uh, show tickets and streaming, all that, anything you could ever want. Merch. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you're also about to embark on a tour um, from, from the South down to the East coast with cat bite and kill Lincoln feeling yeah. pretty ready for that. Yeah. Starting to, uh, we've, we've been working on preparing for that and, um, looking forward to it since the first leg ended in the spring. Um, we're playing some bigger markets this time and bigger venues and, um, just looking forward to seeing all our friends again. And, um, it really feels sort of like a family dynamic, um, working with those two bands um, and uh, Mike from Bad Time. It's just uh, awesome showing up to a venue each day and knowing that you, you're vibing with every single person that's showing up and it just feels seamless and like everyone's 
sharing the same sort of vision and uh it's just a, it's a really great time so i'm looking forward to the the next leg and who made the flyer for that tour it's pretty cool uh the original flyer was done by justin gray who's done a lot of our work in the past and a lot of the, the yeah. bad time band stuff and he's got very much his own style that right i think is a lot of fun and there's so much to look at and <laughs> yeah yeah he's great and then uh, let's see here so you have your first LA headliner at the Knitting Factory in North Hollywood on September 1st. Mm-hmm. How exciting yeah. is that? Pretty That's cool. Be really cool. Yeah. Um, like you said, our first LA headliner. Um, we're really excited to have Bad Operations, their first California show. We love them and, and go way back with those guys. Um, over the years, they've played in um, a number of other bands that, that we've, we've loved and, and enjoyed playing with. Um, but we think this is the best iteration of what they've done and um, they deserve all of the attention they're getting. So yeah, we have them and uh, Half Past Two and Susie True. Um, so it's gonna be stacked. It's gonna be a good time. I haven't been, I, I never made it to the original Knitting Factory. Yeah, same. I, I just actually went to the new one. Oh, is it? okay. What's it like? It's kind of like weird setup, but it's like cool. Okay. Like it definitely is cool. It's like, um, like the section of like the like the show is like on the right, and then there's like a bar that wraps around, and then there's like the side room. It's kind of like a big place, okay, small but big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sp- spread out, I guess. Right. But I saw the Dickies there. That oh, was, that was okay. fun. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Like a month ago. Yeah, it's nice. cool. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So hopefully, are, are a lot of tickets selling for that one. Yeah, it just got announced recently. It's they're moving pretty quick, so um hoping we can get it near sellout soon that's um, cool so yeah if you're in the area um definitely advise acting soon yeah definitely yeah um so what's been your favorite thing about being a part of the ska and punk scenes for nearly two decades wow um it's got to be the community aspect of it I've, I've met so many lifelong friends through it um it's uh it's been cool to watch it evolve over the years and um just seeing new people getting involved with it and um seeing what some of the newer bands are doing um it's just it's always fresh like it 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 never feels i never have felt like oh this is getting played out like i feel like there's always someone innovating or bringing something different and so yeah i just i love being a part of the community and and meeting people and um you know sharing how it's shaped my life and hearing how it's shaped others and Mm -hmm. most of my friendships sort of revolve around uh music so it's that's kind of where where i've I've met most of the the important people in my life no absolutely it's so cool how like connected the music scene is yeah. Especially these days, I feel like it's it's not like uncommon uncommon to make like a lot of friends in the same circle of friends. Yeah, and there's like cool. a shared understanding too, where it's you know, you you have a lot of mutual friends with people, and you already know almost right. exactly what they're all about, and you know if you're gonna get along or not. Right, like how they roll. Yeah. <laughs> so, what are some silly jobs that you've had to make ends meet in between tours? We don't have time for this topic. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to call my wife and let her know I'm not going to be home tonight. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> honestly, man, I could go on and on and on. And my wife is like astounded by like the things that I'll just pull out of nowhere. Cause I forgot. Yeah. Like she like, like, like I'll come up with something I'm like, Oh, I forgot. I used to do this like really, really weird thing. And she's just like amazed. Like every single time, like I thought I knew everything that you did, but like, um, that's fine. I did a lot of food service work. Um, right. Our guitarist, Ricky, uh, his family had a restaurant uh, in the Detroit area um, that we both worked at when we were first starting off with We Are the Union. And that was really helpful, being able to fall back on in between tours. Um, it's a Japanese restaurant. I learned a lot about Japanese food and, and culture. Really cool looking back on it. Like, it was, it was a great job. Um, but I've done everything from 
working at print shops to um, delivering linens, picking up soiled medical linens from funeral homes. Oh, man. Um, that sucks. It was awful. Um, oh, it probably smells awful. Yeah. Um, I would deliver r random flyers um, for little companies in Detroit. Bartended. Um, worked as a social media, um, I guess it was like an early form of content creation for like a local foundation repair business, right. which was really odd. Um, I have very strange interactions with the owner of that company. Uh, <laughs> we won't get into any of that. Yeah. Um, Man, yeah, I've been kind of all over the place. And, like, honestly, I surprise myself, like, remembering the things that I've done over the years. Right. So. All right. Well, we've we've reached the uh, the bullshit speed round. So I just ask a bunch of bullshit and you give me your best answer. You ready? Okay. Weirdest venue you ever played? Uh, Mexican restaurant. Ooh. Last item you threw at someone? Oh, that is probably a pancake. <laughs> Best video game? Uh, probably Lion King for Sega Genesis. Cool. Favorite movie? Oh, um, Happy Gilmore. Oh, hell yeah. Funniest comedian you've ever seen? Oh, um, funniest comedian. Fuck. <laughs> I'm just getting into comedy. Uh, <laughs> right. Who have I seen? Um, I saw Mike O'Brien live recently. He was pretty okay. funny. Cool. I don't know about the funniest I've ever seen. I have to think about that. Right. We're, we're seeing our buddy Kyle tonight, hopefully. Oh, yeah. Kyle's probably up there. He, he's yeah. up there. He's, yeah. he's a good one. <laughs> um, something you got detention for in high school or middle oh, school. Yeah. Might not want to talk about that. <laughs> uh, something you got detention for. God. I, see, I've blacked out so much of my high school experience. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could honestly answer that question. That's next. fine. <laughs> Uh, something that made you laugh until you cried. <laughs> oh, it's been a while. It's probably something Kyle has said, though, honestly. Really? Yeah. <laughs> he does be saying crazy things. Yeah. Uh, favorite thing about L.A.? Uh, the food. Yeah. Best pizza spot in Michigan? Uh, buddy's Pizza. Yeah, I figured. Best venue to play? Best venue to play. Oh, rough um there's so many what fuck they're all flooding my memory at once i'm not good at speed stuff yeah it's fine um, it doesn't have to be super fast that's fine yeah yeah best venue i think the house of blues cleveland is up there like the hospitality is just amazing okay like, everyone is so attentive and the shows are always a lot of fun i was just about to say i went to mahal's recently for the first time about a month ago and that's a really good Where spot. That? That's in Cleveland, like right outside, uh, like Lakewood, Ohio. Okay, I don't think we've ever done that. That's a great like hangout venue. Uh, so like before sets, after sets, like just there's like a bar there. There's like a bar next door. It's just I don't know. It's a cool hangout. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they have like Beachland Ballroom. That's a good Cleveland venue. And the Agora. I don't think I've been to House of Blues, but okay. I heard that's a good one. Let's see here. Favorite Lifetime song. Oh God. Um, that's rough. I honestly, probably anything off of their self-titled. I know that's yeah. an unpopular opinion, but that's my favorite. That's a great one. Yeah. Uh, least favorite thing about LA. Um, I'll go with the stereotypical traffic answer. <laughs> favorite roadside attraction. Um, even if it's like a weird one. Um, man, probably the dinosaurs on the way to the desert, whatever those are called. The Cabazon dinosaurs yeah. from, from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> I literally see them every time I go by. I have to. Yeah. <laughs> um, favorite We Are the Union song. Oh, <laughs> man, favorite is hard. There's so many from so many different eras, but I think I'm going to have to say Morbid Obsessions because I think it's technically the best song we've ever done and it's right. the most fun to play. Yeah, it's a great song. 
Thank you. Super catchy. Favorite fireworks song? Oh, man. Again, so many good ones. I think right. I'm going to have to go with Detroit. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, it's just so nostalgic and like feels, uh, I don't know. It, it feels timeless to me. Yeah, we love those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Best hardcore band? Best hardcore band. Oh, man. I'm honestly not like a huge hardcore guy. Okay. But I always really enjoyed Paint It Black. Okay. Um, Hell yeah. A little more kind of like melodic punk. For sure. Uh, most embarrassing moment. Most embarrassing moment. <laughs> I have so many. And this I will never actually be able to answer because I blocked them all out. Okay. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, scariest movie you've ever seen? Oh, I wish I could still get scared by movies anymore. Same. I used to like have to look away and like I used to be so invested, but now I'm just so desensitized. I don't know. It's been a while. Um, You see Hereditary? Hereditary is, yeah, that's up there. I think Parasite was really good too. Parasite's great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. My, one of my favorite horror movies, I don't know if it's necessarily the scariest thing I've ever seen, but it's called, um, fucking it follows oh yeah that's fun yeah it's uh it has like a special local connection to me too because a lot of it was shot right in areas that i would explore in detroit yeah and places that i, I would always want to shoot a movie yeah that um, makes sense and i just i like the sort of um i don't know the the cerebral aspect to it all there's not mm. so many jump scares as much as it's like psychologically scary yeah it was it was definitely smartly made yeah yeah it was cool um favorite kid dynamite song oh man i don't know names of songs that's fine <laughs> what's the one um <sighs> fuck, we covered it once i should know this fireworks covered it too heart attack yes yeah yeah uh la- last item oh, wait you already said that i put that there twice last item you threw at someone what's another item you threw at someone <laughs> Why do you think I throw things at people? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I've just been asking everybody this. <laughs> uh, a beach ball I threw at my cat. Hell yeah. What's your biggest regret? Biggest regret. <laughs> uh, biggest regret is probably not moving to LA sooner. Really? Okay, cool. And what are you most proud of? Uh, most proud of the friendships I cultivate. Hell yeah. Where can your fans find you? Uh, my fans can find me uh, probably Instagram is the way to go. Brandon M. Benson. Okay. Yeah. And then was it at We Are The Union? Yep. We Are The Union. Awesome. Thank you so much for hanging, man, dude. If you have, if you don't have tickets yet, go pick up some tickets for the upcoming tour. And if you're an LA local, grab a ticket to the show at the Knitting Factory on September 1st and Punk in the Park Festival in November. Cool. Yeah. Hell yeah. Best of luck to you, man. Can't wait to see your your, uh, accomplishments this year. Thanks so much. Stoked. Hell yeah.